are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You remember the story of Adam and Eve, right? In the Bible, God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and He places them in the Garden of Eden. And He says to them, I want you to enjoy this garden. It's Eden. It's paradise. I've planted all kinds of trees and plants that will bear food for you. And I want you to eat whatever you want and just enjoy. It's all here for you. This is your destiny. This is what I created you for. I just want you to live into your future. But there is one tree that I don't want you to eat from. In fact, if you eat from this one tree, you will never live into the future you were meant to live into. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Eve finds herself one day standing in front of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now she has a choice to make. She's being tempted because the Bible says that the fruit on the tree was pleasing to her eye. In other words, she's standing there saying, I desire to eat a piece of that fruit. It looks really good to me. I wonder what it tastes like. I wonder if it tastes as good as it looks. And so she's forced to make a decision. Will I eat from this tree and risk my future? Or will I walk away from the tree and live into the future that God envisions for me? Well, it's a sad story. You might remember that Eve takes a piece of the fruit and she eats it and she gives some to Adam and he eats it. And they are banished from the Garden of Eden forever. And they never live into the future that God had dreamed about for them. They never experienced it. It's a sad story, but it's also your story and it's also my story. Because all of us live with that tension. Let me me share with you what I think the tension is. It's a tension between what I want most, like when I think about my life and what I want to become and and who I want to be like and, and the end goal of my life. It's a tension between what I want most and what I want right now. Because sometimes those are very different. See, if you ask somebody, what do you want most? They might say, well, I want to, I want to live a good life. I want to be a person of integrity. I want to honor God every day of my life. And when I come to the end of this life, I want God to look at me and say, well done. But what I want now sometimes distracts me from this. Because some days I find myself staring at something that looks really good to me. And I wonder what it would be like. And I desire it. But it's not what God wants for me. And when I give in to what I want now, it keeps me from having what I want most. So I found this definition to the word temptation. I like it. I don't know if you'll like it, but I'd like to know if you like it or agree with it or if you can relate to it. So I thought what I would do is just put it on the screen for you. And and it's not just me saying this is it. I want to know what you think. In other words, I want you to struggle through it and ask yourself, do you agree with it? Temptation is this. It's a desire to engage in a short-term pleasurable urge that threatens long-term goals. A desire where I'm being enticed to engage in a short-term, pleasurable urge that actually threatens my long-term goals. 
I know what my long-term goals are. I know who I want to be. But there's something in front of me that looks really good. And I don't know why, but I'm tempted to taste and see what it's like. So why don't we just stop for a minute. Let me just ask you about your long-term goals. And if you say, I don't know, I don't think about it. I don't think I really have given any attention to it. Then I would suggest maybe you should go to a funeral as soon as you can. Because every time I go to a funeral, I think about what I want the rest of my life to look like. So what are your hopes and dreams? And who do you want to become? And are you becoming that person as you move through life? Are you saying, you know what? I think I'm moving in that direction at a good pace. And if you're not, my question is, well, then what's keeping you? Or better, what's distracting you? What are those things in your life that keeps you from becoming who you want to be? I think there might be somebody saying, oh, no, 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 I get it. No, I I hear what you're saying, Rick. When I think about my future, I know exactly where I want to end up someday. But when I give in to what I want now, it keeps me from achieving what I want most. So, I thought I'd tell you a story. I brought a bowl with me. The story, to give you some context, starts with a guy named Abraham in the Old Testament. He marries a lady named Sarah, and they have a son named Isaac. So you remember in the Bible, you read the words about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So they have two sons, twin boys. The first one that is born, he's really hairy. In fact, they name him Harry. Not H-A-R-R-Y, but H-A-I-R-Y. In Hebrew, it's Esau. Did you know that's what Esau means? Harry. Immediately, his brother was born, and they name him Jacob. His name means deceiver. And so, those twin boys grew up to become men. But they were very different when they got older. Here's what the Bible says about Esau. It says that Esau was a skillful hunter, and he was a man of the open country. Yeah. Uh, He was a manly man. Might remind you of me. And then again, maybe not, you know. However, it says Jacob loved to stay at home. And he loved to cook. So one day, Jacob is cooking some stew. And Esau comes in from the open country, and he's hungry. And he says to his brother Jacob, quick, I'm famished. Give me a bowl of that stew. And Jacob says, I'll sell you a bowl of stew. <laughs> I'll sell you a bowl of stew, stew rather, for your birthright. Now, a birthright was a big deal. A birthright mean that you got double your father's inheritance than any other child in your family. So along with wealth comes power and their status because you're in the lineage of the firstborn And then you get the Father's blessing. And so it's all about wealth and power and status and blessing. And you know what Esau said? Well, what good is a birthright if I'm going to die anyway? Now, he probably wasn't going to die. And so Jacob said, swear to me. And he took an oath and he traded for a bowl of stew his birthright. He sat down. He ate a piece of bread, a bowl of stew, and he got up and he left. If I could have gotten to Esau, 
and said, Esau, wait a minute, man. I got to ask you a question, okay? Tell me, what do you want most? I think Esau would have said, what I want most is to, is to live into my destiny, the life that I was born to live. I want to live into my birthright. But if I said, I've got another question for you. What do you want now? I think Esau would have said, right now, I want a bowl of stew. Here's what I'm trying to say, okay? It's really, really simple. If we give in to what we want now over what we want most, we will never become who we were meant to be or who we want to be. And if you're a person of faith, I would add to that, you'll never become the person that God envisions you becoming. If we give in to what we want now over what we want most, we will never become who we want to be and we'll never become the people that God has called us to be and the people that God dreams of us becoming. So here's what I want to do. I want to take you to our text this morning, Hebrews chapter 12, okay, verse 16. Hebrews 12, 16. And uh, let me give you a little context. The Hebrew writer writes to people who have become Christ followers. They used to be in Judaism. They're now experiencing persecution. He is afraid that they're going to go back to Judaism and walk away from Christianity. He warns them, don't, don't do it. Christ is superior. You need Jesus in your life desperately. He is the very Word of God. He is the hope of this new life. He's the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Don't walk away from Jesus. But they're saying, we don't know what's going to happen to us. We don't know what's going to happen to our family. Because persecution is getting real. And so, in the first few verses of chapter 12, we started a few weeks ago. Run the race marked out before you. You see the finish line out there? Make sure you finish. Throw off anything that hinders you or sin that entangles you. And then the next week it was about don't give up. Make your mind up right now. I will never give up. I won't quit. And then he talks about division in the church. He says what happens is people go, yeah, I'm kind of sideways with something going on at the church. I think I'm just going to leave. He says don't leave over that reason. And then he gets to this point. So here we go. You ready? Here's what he says. See to it that no one is sexually immoral. If there's anything that will keep you from crossing the finish line with Jesus, it's sexual immorality. Or godless like Esau. Is he saying that Esau is godless? I think he is. Is he saying that Esau was sexually immoral? I don't think so. I think he's saying Esau made a decision like people make sexually immoral decisions. They do it in the heat of the moment not thinking about what it's going to cost them long term. And Esau made a decision like that. He sold for a single meal his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Sad story, even though he sought the blessing with tears. He came back, he cried in front of his father, and he said, isn't there anything you can do he could not change what he had done. You can't change the past, but it doesn't mean there isn't hope. 
My wife Annette and I, we uh, have no kids living at our house, of course, these days. We're, we're too old for that. And so we have this bonus room upstairs, and we've got a sectional in the bonus room. It's a really comfortable couch with a couple of chases, so we can just really relax up there. And we're pretty busy. We, we sometimes get home later in the evening. Even if we do, we still say, let's let's meet up in the in the bonus room for at least a little while and we always try to end our day together now if we are home earlier in the in the evening sometimes we'll get up there a little sooner we might read last night we were there and i was showing annette some things online that i was finding and uh, sometimes we watch television before we go to bed but we always end our day there together and i love it it's a good rest it's good to be with annette have you ever noticed that at those hours of the night Anytime after like 9.30, 10 o'clock, there's a lot of food commercials on television. Yeah. Yes. wow. It's like, would you guys stop doing this? And, and, it, and it blows my mind because even they make fast food food look really desirable on those commercials. There is steam coming off of the hamburger patty and all the condiments are just stacked perfectly and the bun just stands up tall and it just looks like this gigantic sandwich. And I just look at Annette and say, well, I want one of those right now. I just, I don't want to wait for something like that. You, you ever actually go get the sandwich though? When you pull it out of the bag and you take it out of the wrapper, it's kind of flat and the condiments are just kind of thrown on. It's nothing like the commercial. The worst is in the summer when Brahms has all their commercials and they've got three perfectly balls, scooped balls of ice cream laying between a split banana and then the, the toppings are just flowing over the ice cream and there's Cool Whip and there's nuts and there's a cherry and you just think to yourself, I want a banana split right now. I don't want to wait for one. I want to go get one now, Annette, you know. There's a lot of things we desire. We desire love. We desire attention. We desire recognition. We desire money. We desire sex. We desire food. We desire material things, which most in themselves is not bad. I mean, think about what this awesome gift that God gave us in sex is. And in itself, sex is not a bad thing at all. But the enemy distorts it. Think about this awesome gift of love that we have to give to each other. I love to feel loved. But the enemy distorts it. Here's what else he does. The enemy will tempt us to give in to what we want now, not what we want most. Here's the deal. The enemy will always say, hey, if I get to vote on this, okay, I think you should eat the banana split at 1030 at night. That's what I think. You only live once, live big or go home. You know, I mean, just you should enjoy yourself. Do a little something for you. Nobody else is. You ought to, you ought to have some fun in life. I mean, make your heart race once in a while, you know. If you want to do it, you should do it. That's what the enemy is always going to say. And these desires that we live with, they never say, you know what, just wait till later. I'll be fine. No, the desires are always saying now, right now. Did you hear the story? Esau said, 
I think I'm going to die if I don't get some soup. I got to have soup now. I'll trade anything for a bowl of soup. So I would, I would get it if, if somebody would say like, um, Rick, I mean, I'm hearing you and the story, and it just, it just seems a little strange that, that a man would, would actually trade wealth and power and status and recognition and blessings for a single bowl of stew. But people do it every day. And when I say people, I'm referring to people like us. People trade really valuable things for pleasure. For acceptance. For money. For recognition. So, <clears throat> you're probably thinking, oh no, the pastor's sitting down. He usually says, let me talk to you from my heart when he sits down. So let me, let me give you some concrete examples. So, a person is on Facebook. And there's a conversation going on. And the conversation is getting kind of heated. And that person says, all right, that's it. I'm weighing in. And they start writing. And they're fired up. And they're emotional. And these people are wrong. And they need somebody to tell them what's right. And it looks like my team is losing in this conversation. And we need a win right here. And I'm just going to say what's on my mind. And I want to just say, hey, 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 time out, time out. Listen, think about this. Do not hit post. That, that post that you're writing right there, do you understand what it's going to cost you? You, you? you talk about long term, you want people to respect you and to see you as a, as a godly person and to see you as a person of integrity and a person who weighs your words. Do you understand, if you hit post, do you understand what you're going to trade for the satisfaction of airing out your emotions? You don't want to do this. You're going to trade something really valuable for instant gratification. And it's not worth it. I think about how we live with these, uh, these computers that we carry in our hands. And, and I have many conversations with people who say, I, I'm, I'll just admit it, I've got a problem. You know, I'm, I'm way too much on social media, and we all know now that the algorithms are built in such a way to kind of keep us enticed, and if we just kind of stay with it, we'll get the feel good, we'll get the feel good, so we just stay for the feel good, and we just stay, and we stay, and we spend an inordinate amount of time on, on these things. And, and you've got to just say, wait, 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 time out. Do you realize what you're trading? 
What, what if you just took half of that time and invested it in the most important relationships in your life? What if your kids actually got to know you better and began to understand your heart and who you are? And what if you spent more time nurturing your marriage? And what if you spent more time nurturing other relationships? And what if you took some of that time and spent it in relationship with God? Do you, do you realize that you're trading something very valuable for a simple bowl of stew? Just something that's going to make me feel good for a few minutes. And, and when I think about people who give in to that passionate, passionate rather, moment of sexual pleasure, and you just want to say, wait, don't do it. Do you have any idea what you're trading? This is going to change your life forever. It's because we live with a tension. And the tension is between what I want now and what I want most. And the enemy is always in our ear saying, Take the now. You deserve it. Nat and I were so happy. A few weeks ago, our little granddaughter, Sadie, came to visit us, her and her mom, Brittany. And uh, they just flew in for a few days and out again. But we love having them at our house. And so they get in late Friday night. We pick them up at the airport. Our other daughter, Morgan, is spending the night with us. Brian is there, her boyfriend. And it's just... It felt like family, and Annette and I couldn't have been happier. Before Sadie got into the bed, she said, uh, my stomach's hurting me. And we're like, she's almost seven. We're like, Sadie, you, you traveled today, and you ate some different food. And you'll probably feel good in the morning, you know. You'll go to bed and get some rest. And so she's getting in bed saying, my stomach's hurting me. And so we're going, oh, Sadie, I'm so sorry. And so she's been in bed 15 minutes. We think she's asleep, and she gets physically ill at her stomach in the bed. You with me? I just didn't want to say it. Okay. And so now we're grabbing her up out of the bed in the mess and jerking sheets off and changing the bed and changing her pajamas and cleaning her up. And, and I'm sitting in a chair in the bedroom with Sadie in my lap. And I'm saying, I'm so sorry, Sadie. I, I'm so sorry that you don't feel good. And she says, Ricky, would you, would you pray for me? Oh, I knew I would get that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I said, yes, baby, I'll pray for you. I love to call her boo. And so I started praying, Lord, Sadie doesn't feel good. And she goes, Ricky, she interrupts my prayer. Pray that I won't throw up again. So I'm, I'm starting to pray. And so Lord, Sadie really doesn't want to, Ricky, she interrupts me again. Pray that I'll never throw up again in my entire life. I mean, I get it. You know, I don't want to throw up again in my entire life either. You know, do you, you ever wonder if, uh, if, if when we talk to God about our wants, we sound like children or we sound childish? I'm, I'm working from an assumption here. And the assumption is when I think about what we want most, it's, it's in alignment with what God wants for us. That's the assumption I'm working with. So 
I gave you a quote a few years ago. <clears throat> I decided today that I'm going to ask you to take out your phone and take a picture of it. I would love it if you had it in your photos. I would love it if you never lost this. This is one of the best questions ever asked. So you got your camera? If you want to get one up here, I'll just... Okay, got it? Good. One more? Okay. All right. Okay, you got it? All right, good. So in light of my past experience, my present circumstances... In other words, you're smart. You can learn from past experiences. In light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, assuming this is in line with what God wants for you, what is the wise thing for me to do? Great question. When I think about my past experience, when I think about where I am today and where I want to be, in this moment, should I do what I want most? Or should I do what I want now? So something pretty cool that happens here. It's a, it's a phrase that bothers me, frankly. Godless like Esau is the phrase. Godless? I, I pray that nobody ever takes his name away and puts your name or my name there. I would hate to hear somebody say godless like Pastor Rick. In other words, this is not what God led him to do. This is not in the will of God at all. God would have never led him in this direction. And this is what it boils down to. And the bottom line of the sermon today just comes down to one point, And it's this. We either allow God to control our lives or we allow our desires to control our lives. And I'm sorry to tell you today there are no other options. You will take one of these two paths. There are not other paths to be taken. You will either allow God to control your life or you will allow your desires to control your life. And that's just the bottom line. So let me just, let me just take a few minutes here, okay? You, you may be with me today and you may be saying, I made a similar trade like Esau made years ago. I regret it. I've lived with it now. I would give anything if I hadn't done it, but I did. And I hate it. Can I just tell you that Jesus, Jesus came into this world 2,000 years ago to repair what got broken in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. And there is forgiveness available for you. We find Esau weeping, wishing he could change it, but he could not. You can't change the past, but you can be forgiven. Jesus wants to forgive you today. And so I think there's three groups of people. As we think about this sermon, the first group would say, Rick, thank you so much for that sermon. I'm going to put that in my back pocket. I may need that someday. I don't want to forget that. That's good stuff. I'm going to hang on to that. I think the second group would say, right now in my life, I'm looking at a bowl of stew. And I'm contemplating trading my future for it. I live with it every day of my life. It's a desire that I have. And I'm dying to taste it. But today, this has become a thin place. God has met me here. And I needed to hear this. I need to walk away from that bowl of stew. 
I think there's a third group, and, and that is the person saying, years ago I made a trade, or months ago or whatever, like Esau, and I regret it. And I'm here to tell you that you can't change the past, but you can be forgiven for it. So let's bow our heads together and let me pray for you. And I want you to pray. And so, Lord, for the person right now who needs to pray, a prayer that simply says, God, thank you for this good word. I'm going to hang on to it. And someday when I need it, let your Holy Spirit remind me of it. And I pray for the person, Lord, who says right now, I'm contemplating trading my future for something that's not worth it. Would you give them the grace to walk away? The grace to resolve right now in their heart, I will not do it. I will walk away and I will walk into the future that God envisions for me. And then I pray for the person, Lord, who carries guilt and shame and years ago made a trade that they regret. And today they are just simply coming to you saying, Lord, would you truly forgive me completely and wash me and make me white as snow, clean and pure in your eyes. And let me now walk into the future that you want me to have. And I pray this in Jesus' name. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.